0: If you first of all didn't look at what you're trying to purify and evaluate where am I? Where am I with regard to my nafs and my actions? (laughs) (laughs) Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa s ala abdillahi wa rasoolih نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So we had a break قدر الله وما شاء فعل. Two weeks we didn't have the class And subhanallah also before I forget The same will be happening from next week as well And قدر الله وما شاء فعل. I love for the classes to be continuous And that's my goal But sometimes we have some commitments in terms of programs abroad and travel So there will not be a class next week or the following week either uh, So please bear that in mind This week we have a very, very beautiful topic This topic, I'm really, really looking forward to it and preparing it was a pleasure just to prepare the topic It was such a pleasure And this topic is the topic of muhasabatul nafs Taking yourself to account And I personally believe this is a very good place to start the topic of Tazkiyat nafs Because how can you purify something if you first of all didn't look at what you're trying to purify and evaluate where am I? Where am I with regard to my nafs and my actions? And I have some beautiful quotes from Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim on this topic and We're going to share those with you in a structured way in this class tonight, insha'Allah Ta'ala. The first thing that we will begin with is we will begin with the fundamental concept of muhasabatun nafs from the Quran. And the most obvious place to quote this from is Surat al-Hashar between ayah number 18 and ayah number 20. في البيان من الله عز وجل يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله واتنذر نفس ما قدمت لغد واتقوا الله إن الله خبير بما تعملون ولا تكونك الذين نسوا الله فأنساهم أنفسهم أولئك هم الفاسقون لا يستوي أصحاب النار وأصحاب الجنة أصحاب الجنة هم الفائزون this or these three ayat this is what we would say is Al Aslu Fi nafs this is where we start from this whole topic it comes back to this ayah now bear in mind this is not the only ayah we heard for example the ayah in Surah al-Imran which the Imam read in the first raka'ah kullu min muhtara Any, there are more than one or there are more than one group of ayat which talk about this topic but if you want to say one ayah that brings this topic really into focus it is this ayah in Surat Al-Hashr likewise the ayah in Surat Al-Qiyamah وَلَا أُقُسِمُ بِالنَّفْسِ اللَّوَّامَةِ and really our discussion today is all going to be around النَّفْسِ اللَّوَّامَةِ the soul that criticizes and blames itself you look at yourself and you look at what is there and then you blame yourself for where you are falling short and you correct where you are falling short this is the topic that we want to speak about today al-iman bin qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala in igathatul lahfan and most of the quotes today they came from this book the book igathatul lahfan in the first volume and most of it is between page 83 and around 152. A lot of discussion on this topic. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he said. Ala this ayah tells us that it is wajib. It's not recommended, it's not from the completion of your good deeds, it is wajib upon you. To take your soul to account. Fayakuru ta'ala Liyangura Ahadukum Ma Kadama Liyomil Kiyamati Min Aman Amina Salihatilati Tunji Aumina Say amina Sayyiat Eleti to Biku. He said what Allah is saying to you, this is Ibn Kayim's tafsir of the ayah. He said, what Allah is saying to you is let each individual, one of you look at what you put forward for Yawm Al Qiyamah. All you who believe have Taqwa of Allah and let every person look at what he put forward for tomorrow. What is tomorrow here in the Ayah? Yawm Al Qiyamah. Let everyone look What have I done What will be in my account Yawm Al Qiyam Will it be righteous deeds Which will save you Or will it be sins That will destroy you That's what Ibn Al Qayyim He says that the summary Of the tafsir of the ayah is this Let everyone look at your deeds Which you will find Presented to you Yawm Al Qiyam are they the good deeds That will save you Or are they the bad deeds That will destroy you He gave a definition In Madarij al salikin This is in the first volume Page 169 Where he Ibn al-Qayyim تعالى, Defines what is meant By muhasabatun nafs He says wa it is for you to distinguish what is for you and what is against you. Or you can say, what have you done? Yani what is What do you need to do? And what is yet to be done? And so what will the person do? The person will fulfill I yani, mean, take what belongs to them and will fulfill what is obligatory upon them Why? Ibn al Qayyim, he says لِأَنَّهُ مُسَافِرٌ Because he's a traveler سَافَرَ من لا يعود. And this traveler, he's never ever coming back My dear brothers and sisters, we are travelers on a journey that you can never take one step back from it. You are traveling to the Akhirah, whether you are doing righteous deeds or whether you're doing the worst of sins, فَإِنَّكَ مُسَافِرٌ You are a traveler, سَفَرَ مَنْ لَا and you're never ever taking a step back where you came from. So look at where you're going to end up on this journey and ask yourself, is it righteous deeds? Or is it since? He then quotes Ibn al-Qayyim from Al-Hasan al-Basri Rahimahullah Ta'ala The quote is in Iqatat al-Lahfan He said that Al-Hasan al-Basri said Rahimahullah Ta'ala La mu'min illa yuhasibu nafsah al hassan al-Basri Look, he's describing how were the Sahaba and the Tabi'een you never see a believer except he's asking himself what he's done you'll never see a believer except he's asking he's questioning his soul all the time he said he's constantly saying to his soul what is it you want to do what is it that you want to eat? What is it you want to drink? What have you done? What will you do? He's constantly asking his soul. And we're going to hear later on that this asking happens twice. It happens before you do something and it happens after you've done it. Some people have a misunderstanding. They think that this muhasaba is only afterwards. No. The Salaf ta'ala, they used to make this muhasaba before they did it. Why do you want to do this? Why are you sitting here? Why are you saying these words? Why are you reading this? Why are you going to say it? Is it for Allah? Is it? They used to ask themselves before and then afterwards they would ask, what did you do? Was it for Allah? Was it really like that? What else? Why did you fall into this? So they would ask themselves before and they would ask themselves after. Listen to what Al-Hasan Al-Basri says about the Fasiq and the Fajr the one who is from the criminals and the evildoers, he said As for the wicked person, he goes on and on in his life and he never ever criticizes himself for what he did he never stops, not for the deen, maybe for the dunya, he says, why I didn't take that business and why I didn't make it, sell that product and why did I not jump out and take out of this job and take a different one, but never in his deen does he stop and ask himself, why did I do that thing that I did? There's another narration, Ibn al-Qayyim also mentions it, from Al-Hasan Al-Basri, he mentions it slightly different, innal الْمُؤْمِنَ wallahi. ما نراه الا يلوم نفسه he says the believer in hasan al basri he said the believer wallahi we never see him except that he blames himself ma أَرَدْتُ bi kalimati أَرَدْتُ aradtu bi akalati ma aradtu bi hadithi nafsi the believer says, what did I want with this statement? Why did I say those words? Why did I eat that thing? Why did I say those things to myself? Allahu Akbar They took themselves to account even in hadith hadithun nafs Even what you say to yourself in your heart What you imagine to yourself in your mind Why did I imagine that? Why did I think that? But as for the wicked person Years and years and years go by They never ask themselves Or blame themselves Why did I do this? Or why didn't I do this? Now we've been talking about the ayah in Surah Al-Hashr But the ayah in Surah al hashar If you remember I read for you three ayahs Not one One ayah, we spoke about it. As for the statement, if you don't ask yourself about what you have done, for wallahi, Allah is going to ask you. Whether you ask yourself or you don't, whether you take yourself to account or you don't, Allah is going to take you to account and Allah is going to ask you. So better you ask yourself before Allah will ask you because Allah knows the reality of what you do. As for the second ayah, don't think it's disconnected. Sometimes you ever find this if you're thinking about an ayah and there's a topic you're studying and there's an ayah the scholars bring. This ayah doesn't exist on its own. Right? It's part of a series of ayat. Look at the ayah afterwards. Maybe you will find it still connected to the topic. Listen to what Ibn al Qayyim says in the tafsir of this ayah. Don't be like those people who forgot Allah, so He made them forget themselves. Don't be like the people who forgot Allah so He made them forget themselves. He said These people, they forgot themselves Don't think they forgot themselves completely. Maybe you listen to this, they forgot themselves. You think these people were Zuhad they were zahid, living outside of the world, just they forgot themselves, they, were, they forgot to eat, they forgot to drink, they forgot to marry, no, 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 don't think they were not like this, Ibn al Qayyim he says, they didn't forget themselves in everything, why did they forget themselves? They forgot themselves in the thing, which will bring them goodness and happiness and perfection. But when it came to their desires, and when it came to their wishes and what they wanted, and when it came to their share, my share, I and mean, this is mine, or they didn't forget. They remembered everything they wanted they remembered their shahwa. they remembered their hadh, this is mine, this belongs to me, they remembered what they wanted, they remembered it, but they forgot what is going to bring them eternal happiness. So what did Allah give them? Allah made them forget The things that would bring them goodness in the Akhirah. Allah made them forget what would bring them goodness to do it. So they forgot to do good deeds. They forgot to pray. They forgot to be good to their parents. Have any of you ever had that experience? Well, I've had that experience. I'm not going to say I can't lie. Where you forgot to do a good deed. And there is a good deed you're supposed to do and it just Oh, I forgot how important it is to pray Qiyam al I forgot how important it is to keep ties with my relatives This forgetfulness, sometimes it comes because you forgot to take yourself to account and if you forget to take yourself to account perhaps Allah will cause you to forget what is going to bring you Jannah billah. and Allah made them forget what else? Allah made them forget to do the deeds that will bring them Jannah. There's something else Allah made them forget. Allah made them forget Allah made them forget their faults. Allah made them forget their flaws. Allah made them forget the things that they were deficient in. They forgot to do good deeds and they forgot to leave sins. Because they forgot to take their soul to account, and Ibn al Qayyim he expands upon this in Irata al lahfan He says, He said leaving off taking yourself to account and just taking everything to be easy making everything easy for yourself I'm not talking about in religion I'm not talking about for example shortening your prayers when you're traveling making things being easy on yourself al ala and you're saying to yourself it's nothing small sin small sin making things easy for yourself and just letting everything go you hal. Just let everything go. Just don't worry about it, it'll do. This is going to lead a person to destruction. This is the situation of the people who are fooled by this world. Their eyes are closed at the moment of death or their eyes are closed. Sorry, not at the moment of death. Their eyes are closed from seeing what will happen at the moment of death. Their eyes are closed, they don't see what is going to happen to them, and they let things go on. And they rely upon what? He relies upon Allah's forgiveness and says, Allah kareem. Allah's gonna forgive me, Allah's gonna have mercy on me. Allah kareem. Don't worry about it. He lets things go. So, what happens? وَالنَّظَرَ فِي الْعَاقِبَةِ، he doesn't take himself to account. he never looks at what's going to happen to him يوم القيامة. وَإِذَا فَعَلَ ذَلِكَ سَهُلَ عَلَيْهِ مَوَاقِعُ الظُّنُوبِ وَأَنِسَ بِهَا وَعُسُرَهُ وَعَسُرَهُ عَلَيْهِ وَلَوْ حَضَرَهُ لَعَلِمَ أَنَّ الْحَمِيَّةَ أَسْهَلٌ مِنَ this person, when they become reliant upon Allah's mercy yeah, Allah is going to forgive me Allah kareem They never take themselves to account They never look at what the end result of their actions is going to be And so what? It's easy for them to sin Sinning becomes easy for them And they start to enjoy sinning And they start to find it hard to leave their sins if this person had wisdom, they would realize that protection or from something like they say, I don't know the expression we say in English, that uh, yani the prevention is better than the cure, right? That it's easier to be protected from a sin than it is to leave it later. Wallah, I believe if we took this statement and just wrote it down as a, you know, as a, a point, a faidah for yourself, how many people say about their kids or get, let them exposed to a little bit. So they won't do more later. It's not like that. If you are saved and protected from something, it's easier than having to leave it later on. As for leaving something you love and leaving something you're used to is very hard to leave something you love and something you're used to, but it's much easier to take yourself to account and leave it before it starts. Protect yourself from it before it starts. Ibn al Qayyim mentions the famous athar of Umar. He mentions it in Madarij al Salikin. This uh, statement of Umar, fihi daaf, it has like some weakness in it, but it's a well-accepted statement, and it's a statement the scholars accepted. In terms of its connection in the chain to Umar, and there is there is some inqita' between the narrator and Umar. There is a break in the chain. However. It is a well-accepted statement, which is commonly attributed to Umar رضي الله عنه حاسبوا أنفسكم قبل أن تحاسبوا وزنوا أنفسكم قبل فإنه أهون عليكم في الحساب أنفسكم اليوم. He said take yourself to account before you are taken to account and weigh yourselves before you are weighed. In some of the narrations, Weigh your deeds before they are weighed. For this will be easier for you when you are taken to account tomorrow. For you to take yourself to account today. Prepare yourself for the great presentation of the deeds. On that day, your deeds will be presented. And not a single thing will be hidden. And there is no doubt of the truth of this statement, whether it is from the statement of Umar or not. It is easier for yourself to take yourself to account today than it is for for you to stand before Allah and answer for what you have done. If you have a habit of taking yourself to account then your art, the presentation of your deeds will be easy for you. But if you are not in the habit of taking yourself to account, how will it be when you receive a book? every single tiny little thing you have ever done and everything big that you have done, you find it there. And you never once asked yourself about what you did. How will that be? How will you carry that on that day? On that day, you will be presented before Allah and your deeds will be presented to you. And not a single thing will be hidden from you. It's also narrated from Umar, that he wrote to one of the people who worked for him. Hasib فِي الرَّخَاءِ قَبْلَ حِسَابِ الشدة. He said, take yourself to account in while things are easy for you before the account which is hard for you comes. Whoever takes themselves to account while things are easy for them Before the hard accounting takes place Their situation, the end outcome of theirs will be one of Pleasure and happiness And whoever Becomes busy with their life And is preoccupied with their desires Their end result will be Sorrow and loss That's narrated from Omar Radhiallahu ta'ala an An al-Hasan al-Dhasri rahimahullah ta'ala He said Innal mu'mina wallahi ma tarahu illa yaloumu nafsuh Illa yaloumu nafsahu Ala kulli halati." You will not see a believer, Wallahi, except that he blames himself for everything that he does. Everything that he does, he sees that it is muqassar. And everything I've done is not good enough. Everything I've done is not good enough. He regrets and he blames himself. وَإِنَّ الْفَاجِرَ لَيَمْضِي قَدُمًا لَا يُعَاتِبُ نَفْسَهُ وَإِنَّ الْفَاجِرَ لَيَمْضِي قُدُمًا يُعَاتِبُ نَفْسَهُ As for the wicked person, he goes by his time and he never blames himself Ibn al-Qayyim, he says about this, رحمه الله تعالى He said, وَمَن تَأَمَّلَ أَحْوَالَ الصَّحَابَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَجَدَهُمْ فِي غَايَةِ الْعَمَلِ مَعَ غَايَةِ الْخَوْفِ وَنَحْنُ جَمَعْنَا بَيْنَ التَّقْصِيرِ بَلْ بَيْنَ التَّفْرِيطِ وَالْأَمَنِ He said, whoever looks at how the Sahaba used to be is going to find the Sahaba used to work and do deeds that we cannot imagine, so many good deeds And they were so scared that they would not be accepted As for us, we join between two things First of all, we don't do the good deeds We don't even do, rather, we don't even do the wajibat Let alone the extra good deeds And we believe we'll be safe How strange is that? How strange is it that the Sahaba joined between hard work And being scared of it not being accepted and we join between laziness and believing that our deeds will be accepted. We don't do enough, and yet we believe that we are in Al-Firdaws Al-A'la min Al-Jannah. We believe that we are in the highest place of Jannah. The Sahaba used to work in the way we cannot describe, and they used to be scared that nothing would be accepted from them. Those people who give what they gave and their hearts are trembling perhaps Allah will not accept the good that they have done. And al-Hasan al-Basri he said rahimahullah ta'ala al-mu'minu ala yuhasibu halillah The believer is constantly looking over himself. You know, we always talk about how Allah is watching you, right? You worship Allah as though you can see Him. And even though you can't see Him, you know that He sees you. But you can't achieve this level of ihsan and this level of righteousness unless you do one thing. You are the first person to look at your own self. You actually start to look at yourself and look over your deeds and ask yourself, what am I doing? Then you will feel the sense that Allah is watching you. If you are not watching yourself, how will you be scared of Allah watching you when you're not even watching what you do yourself? You don't even know the good deeds you did today or the bad deeds you did today. So how are you going to stand and behave as though Allah is watching you if you are not watching yourself? He said, وَإِنَّمَا خَفَّ الْحِسَابُ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ حَاسَبُ أَنْفُسَهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَإِنَّمَا شَقَّ الْحِسَابُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ مِنْ غَيْرِ مُحَاسَبَةِ He said, al Hassan Al-Basri That the accounting on the Day of Judgment Will be made easy for the people Who used to take themselves to account in this world and it will be made hard for those people who they never used to take themselves to account in this world. And Ibn al-Qayyim, he praised the statement of Maimun ibn Mahran in Madarij al-Saliqeen. He said, لا يكون العبد تقيا حتى يكون أشد محاسبة من الشريك لشريكه He said, a person will not be a person of Taqwa until they're more strict on themselves than you would be with your business partner and the person you're sharing your business with Why you took that money out of the account for? Whose is this? Did you come to work at the same time as me? Until you are this strict with yourself, you can't be a person of Taqwa So now we come to an important topic and that is, how do we take ourselves to account? What is, we understood the value of it, we understood how the Sahaba used to be keen for it and do it, but how, what's the process, what's the steps? First of all, we need to understand that muhasabatun nafs yanqasimu or ila qismayn. It's divided into two parts. Al muhasabah qabl al amal. بَعْدَ الْعَمَلِ Taking yourself to account before you do something and taking yourself to account after you have done something. As for before you have done something, what is the evidence for this? The same ayah, Ibn Kathir in his tafsir, if you look at the tafsir of Ibn Kathir about the ayah in Surah Al-Hashr, the Prophet Sallallahu quoted this ayah in a hadith, which hadith did he quote it in? he quoted it in the hadith of the story of the Sadaqah when he said Man sanna sunnatan hasana, the hadith about whoever sets a good example in Islam did he say it before the person gave Sadaqah or after? before and he, the Prophet Sallallahu stood up and said to the Sahaba when he wanted them to give Sadaqah يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا تَقُوا اللَّهَ nafsum نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ let you look at what you've put forward for tomorrow then ثُمَّ حَثَّهُمْ عَلَى الصَّدَقَةِ then he encouraged them to give sadaqa so he told them before they did it he quoted this ayah before they gave the sadaqa so this is a proof that the muhasaba takes place twice it takes place before you do it and after he didn't wait for them to give sadaqa and then say Ya الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا تَقُوا اللَّهُ nafsum نَفْسٌ مَا قَدَّمَتْ he said it to them, to encourage them. And if you're going to look at what you've put forward, now do more good deeds. Then when they have done it afterwards, then there is this muhasabah again. And Hassan al-Basri mentions this, he said, Kana The Sahaba بصدقى, If one of the Sahaba wanted to give Sadaqah, He would look at himself, he would ask himself, Is this really for Allah? فَإِنْ كَانَتْ لِلَّهِ If it was really for Allah, he would give it. So the Sahaba used to make this muhasabah before they gave it. In other words, I'm going to say, for example, I'm going to read an ayah or a hadith. Before I read the ayah, I ask myself, is this for Allah? If it's for Allah, Bismillah, we read it. If it's not for Allah, I'm saying it to make some reaction or because it's going to be popular on Instagram or Leave it. This is the muhasabah that is qabla al-amal before you do it. As for the muhasabah which is after you have done it, Ibn al-Qayyim he describes it in detail in igathat al-Lahfan, in page number eighty-three. He said, It's really nice what he said Pay attention to this He said The first thing you start with Is the fara'id The obligatory deeds You start to ask yourself About all the things Which were obligatory For you to do today Any earlier today If you find Any flaw in it Deficiency in it You make up for it How do you make up for it? Qada' or islah? either you do it again Qadha you know what people call And you make up you, you do it again you pray it again you make up for it again you do it again إصلاح, or you fix it you fix it how? Yani for example if you were doing something in the middle of doing something and you realized it wasn't for Allah you correct your intention to make it for Allah for example then he said ثُمَّ يُحَاسِبُهَا على المناهي. Then you take yourself to account for what Allah told you not to do. Yani what's haram? So the first thing you ask yourself is about what? The fard. You found the mistake, you made up for it, you fixed it. The second thing that you looked at yourself is what is haram? If you found yourself that you did something haram, what do you do? You fix it. How do you fix it? At Tawbah, والاستغفار والحسنات الماهية الماهية. The first thing you do is Tawbah. You turn to Allah in Tawbah, and you make Istighfar. You ask Allah's forgiveness, and you do the good deeds that wipe out the bad deeds. The Hadith, Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق الله حيثما كنت وأتبع al الْحَسَنَةَ Tamhuha, Follow up the bad deed with a good deed, it will wipe it out. Then you ask yourself about what you forgot, I mean, what were you unaware of? When was it that I was supposed to, I didn't remember Allah or I was just distracted? You ask yourself about those times when you're distracted. قَد غافل, قَد غافل so if you found that there were times in the day you were not remembering Allah how do you fix it? you remember Allah and you turn to him you remember Allah to make up for the time in the day where you didn't remember where you didn't remember Allah أو مشت إليه رجلاه أو بطأ O بطشت أو بطشت يداه أو سمعته أذناه ماذا أردت بهذا ولما فعلت وعلى أي وجه فعلته then you take yourself to account for everything you said and where you went with your feet and what your hands touched and what your ears heard What did you want from it? Okay, today you heard some music, you are walking past the place, you heard it Did you stop to listen? Or did you Did you just walk past it quickly that you didn't give it attention? Why did you do it? What was the reason you did it for? Why did you go to that place that you visited today? Why did you go to it? Was there a reason for it? Was it beneficial for you? وَيَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ لابد أَنْ يُنْشَرُ لِكُلِّ حَرَكَةٍ وَكَلِمَةٍ مِّنْهُ دِيوَانًا دِيوانٌ لِمَا فَعَلْتَهُ وَكَيْفَ فَعَلْتَهُ He said, and you realize that every movement you made and every word you say, there are two things you have to ask yourself Record for yourself Why did you do it and how did you do it? Every single word you say Every single movement you make Why did you do it And how did you do it The first one is a question Are you sincere for Allah And the second one is a question Did you follow the sunnah Of the messenger of Allah And then he mentioned the ayat And among the ayat Ibn al-Qayyim mentions is لِيَسْأَلَ الصَّادِقِينَ عَنْ صِدْقِهِمْ Surah Al-Ahzad, ayah number 8 That we will ask the truthful people about their truthfulness Ibn al-Qayyim he said فَإِذَا سُئِلَ الصَّادِقُونَ وَحُصِبُوا عَلَى صِدْقِهِمْ فَمَظَّنُّ بِالْكَذِبِينَ If truthful people are going to be asked about why they were truthful What do you think about the people who were not truthful? Are they not also going to be asked? From the other things that Ibn Al Qayim mentioned, and there's too many to bring them all together, in Madaris Salikin, on page number one hundred and seventy, Ibn Al Qayim mentions that bidayatul Muhasaba is to remember the blessings of Allah upon you. You need before all of that, before you take yourself to account. It's just to remember Allah's blessings and to ask yourself what you have done with those blessings And there are many other points that he mentioned, but this is of benefit And I'm going to conclude with a statement which Ibn al-Jawzi mentioned He mentions it in uh, his book Dhamb al-Hawa The blameworthiness of of following your desires and that is that you have to take yourself to account for the permissible things as well This is something Ibn al-Qayyim didn't mention but this is something Ibn al-Jawzi added to it You have to ask yourself about the permissible things that you did Did I really need to do it? Did it really bring me nearer to Allah? Did Did it bring me Close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or did it make a gap between me and Allah? Did it separate my break my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because wallahi, sometimes you will find from the mubahat the things Ibn al-Jawzi said, you will say, you are gonna say, Ma li wa This had nothing to do with me, wallah. I this was not beneficial for me to do. This was not of benefit for me to do. I have nothing to do with this. And you might even say, Wallahi la lihada abadan Inshallah I'm never ever gonna go back to this. And this is from what? Al Mubahat. The permissible things that you realized they took you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We finish with just a few benefits. I'm gonna mention maybe five or six of the benefits of taking yourself to account. Number one, you know your own flaws. You get to know your own mistakes. Number two, you realize Allah's blessings and grace upon you. Number three, you rush to make Tawbah. Number four, you develop a certain Self-loathing, if that's the right word They call it maqtun nafs And you start, you don't see yourself to be so high You don't see yourself to be so pious Somebody says about you, oh, look at that Masha'Allah taqi. And you're like, look, you, you don't know me Wallahi law alimu qabih sarirati La salama alayya man yalqani wala la wa suhbati <laughs> like the poet, he said that if they knew that the filth that was in my soul, nobody would give salam to me. And they would have turned away from being my companion. They would have got bored of being around me. They would have run away from me and got bored of my companionship. And instead of Allah honoring me, I would have been disgraced. <laughs> سَقَطِي But oh Allah, you concealed my flaws and my mistakes And you forgave my shortcomings and my transgressions فَلَكَ الْمَحَامِدُ وَالْمَدَائِحُ For all praises to Allah with my mind and my limbs and my tongue because Allah concealed that if somebody knew the reality of what you and me are, they wouldn't even give us salam. But Allah conceals. And from the benefits is that it makes you want to purify your soul. It makes you want to do to nafs, to purify your soul and to do good deeds and to keep away from sins. And I'll finish with a quote from Ibn al-Qayyim in Ighath al-Lahfan that he quotes from Malik bin Dinar. He said, "Rahim Allahu <laughs> abdan, qal li-nafsi, alasti sahibat, alasti, alasti sahibat kada, alasti sahibat kada, thumma maha ثُمَّ ثُمَّ أَلْزَمَهَا كِتَابَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلِّ فَكَانَ لَهَا qaida. He said, may Allah have mercy on a person who says to his soul Aren't you the one who did this? Aren't you the one who did this? Then he blames his soul Then he brings it under his control Then he forces it to follow the book of Allah And so the book of Allah will become its guide and that as I said Ibn Qayyim he mentions it in Iqathatul Lahfam from Malik ibn Dinar and he mentions it on page number 79 But I think that is more than enough we did a long topic today but we were away for two weeks so we had to we had to make up for it a little bit but I think this is the beginning of our journey on understanding Tazkiyatul Nafs it's gonna start with what taking yourself to account how can you want to purify something If you don't know that it needs to be purified in the first place This is a reminder for myself and for all of you And that is what Allah made easy for me to mention We'll ask if there's any quick questions If anyone would like to go or they have anything It's no issue insha'Allah If anyone has any few questions we will take them insha'Allah You mentioned that there won't be any lesson for the next two weeks Yes Yes, both tafsir and this lesson will not be for the next two weeks uh, two more weeks, inshallah. And subhanAllah, when we started these lessons, we didn't plan for these programs, but we had some programs arranged that we couldn't move them so. But after that, it will be continuous. Baithi And uh, one question regarding the last lesson that we had. You mentioned um, uh, that I believe Hidr was Ibn Qayyim. He speaks about um, thought processes. It starts in the heart and then they process the brain. You can see the results mm-hmm. of that, Can you remind me what book it was in? It's a quote from Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, As far as I remember And it's a quote regarding th- Al-Aql Regarding the mind And regarding the, the soul, right? The ruh The question is Can I find it in my notes very quickly? And the answer is I don't remember which part of my notes I put it in I will see you outside in the masjid insha'Allah And I've got it here, I just don't remember which part of my notes I put it in and I don't recall I recall the quote, but I don't recall the book It's definitely from Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah It's from Majmu' al Fatawa, But I've got the page number and the volume number written down But now I remember it's from Majmu' al Fatawa that we spoke about The connection between the mind and the soul and the heart, right? It's from Majmoo' al-Fatawah, but I we'll get you that i have it written down the volume number inshallah wa iyakum Wa alaikum Wa are two quick questions it's okay. of course uh, the uh, five benefits that you told us these are benefits specifically to holding yourself to account yes the last five benefits we spoke about are the benefits of holding yourself to account you get to know your weaknesses you get to appreciate allah's blessings and so on that's the benefit. It's not only for that, they can be for other things, but that's what I mentioned them for. And then, uh, can you give an example of something that, uh, that would be something that would not bring you close? Like- sure, I can give an example of something Mubah, that might not bring you close to Allah. Azzawajal. Let's give three examples. One, let's give the example of what you eat, your food and drink. So food and drink, which is Mubah. But a person finds that their diet is making them lazy For example, from going to the Salah Or it's not it's not helping them Or they find themselves to struggle to get up at, at, Or they don't have a lot of energy in the day So they change the diet. They're not, they're not filling their stomach They're not eating Haram But they change it to something which is better for their Ibad That's one example Another example, for example, playing sports Many times, maybe some of the young brothers They enjoy to play a lot of sports but they see that this which is Mubah, they see this thing which they are doing maybe is taking them away from other things that are more beneficial. For example, yeah, they enjoy it, but they're doing it a bit too much and maybe it's taking them away from extra hifth or things that they could be doing so they leave some of those uh, they leave some of those things and likewise we could talk about even uh, you know sleep or even uh, going to the shops and what you spend your money on. For example, a person spent their money on halal. But they saw after a while that oh, if, I, if I had not spent so much money on that But actually spent a bit more money, for example eating out um, Or ordering food in or something But instead I had given that money for sadaqa Or I had put that money towards buying books Or Then that would have been better So these are some examples of the Mubahat Which a person is permissible But a person might want to leave them or, or change them Because they see that it's breaking their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the long run Yes, we mentioned this last week uh, Not last week, but last time, last lesson That in this meaning, there's no difference Purifying the heart and the soul Both, both mean the same thing in our sitting here Actually, in, in a longer discussion Yes, there could be a difference between the heart and the soul But when the people talk about purifying the heart What they mean is purifying the soul they don't mean taking your heart out like it happened to the Prophet and washing it in Zamzam water. They mean purifying the soul that is within the body and within the heart. Yani. So they mean the same thing. In, in this class, they mean the same thing. Does that make sense? Alhamdulillah. Okay. Do we have any last questions? If not, then we are going to stop there. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention Allah knows best. Was salat was salam ala sahbihi Muhammad. Please remember, no class for the next two weeks, not here and not in Mirdif. Uh, as for Sheikh Rahman, I believe it's only next week for Sheikh Rahman. Only one week that he's going to miss his class, inshaAllah, in Mirdif. And also, please be careful about parking next time you come, inshaAllah. Jazakum Allah.